Welcome back to another episode of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. I hope you're all doing okay and staying safe. As I'm sure many of you saw on Twitter, I'm in need of a little break. See, I originally had one planned for midsummer in August for various vacations, so like a little bit shorter. Um, and with the pandemic going on, I didn't really end up taking that time off. Uh, see, with everything going on, I was like, might as well keep going. Uh, I have the energy for this, and, you know, I could put more time into the podcast, which, um, you know, was good at first. I think it's been great for me to have a really good distraction, but um, I really need to take time to recharge a bit here. Um, so I'll be taking about a three-week break from releasing episodes just to recharge my brain some. Don't worry, I'm still going to be recording and getting some great guests lined up for fall in the remaining months of the year. I just really need to hit pause for a moment and um, let myself kind of refocus and recenter. It's been a really overwhelming year between the pandemic, civil unrest, this ever turbulent political landscape, and that's just like the big picture stuff that I know is affecting all of us individually in our own way. I think we all have things going on in our personal lives in our professional lives, whatever it is that we're doing. And it's crucial to kind of take a moment to slow down and really just allow ourselves to heal and rest. I'm really good at doing that when it comes to my physical exercise, not so good with my brain all the time. So I'm just going to be doing that for a short bit. And, you know, thank you all for the support and understanding, especially on social media. Knowing that this is an outlet that I can turn to that respects me as much as I respect it is just truly invaluable and it's really empowering to know that here we're all valued and we all care and I I cannot overstate how much that means to me knowing that you all are like, see you when you come back, no worries and that's really nice. I promise I'll be back soon with tons of new guests and I'll be somewhat active still on social media because of all the incredible things everybody continues to create and do it's super motivating it's super exciting and I kind of just want to take a moment to just sit back along for the ride consume everything catch up on everything and um you know just breathe a little bit do some yoga do some uh artistic work and just kind of let myself decompress and feel good about stuff so I promise I'll be back soon and yeah thank you so much for understanding okay let's move on to this week's guest I really cannot overstate how much I love Hectang. You might have seen the premiere I did over at The Alternative, and really, I had so much fun talking to Magda that I had to do it again. See, Magda is such a great person to talk lyrics, song structure, intentions, and collaboration with, and we actually we went a little bit deeper in this conversation than what we did in the interview, just talking about the band's latest EP, Fine Just Thinking, as well as how some of the band's other releases kind of all start to tie together. Um, Magda joined this week to share all this and what's ahead for Hectang. So with that, let's hear more of Hectang and then get into the interview.
Well, welcome, Magda, to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. How are you doing lately? I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean, and I'm so glad that I get to check in with you again so soon. Um, You and I just had a chat a few weeks ago for The Alternative, and that was so much fun that here we are doing it again for the podcast, which is perfect. (laughs) It's awesome. I'm so excited. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, Let's just get into it. Tell me about kind of how you first got interested in like writing and playing music. Um, well, it's been like a gradual thing my entire life. Um, I, my family is really musical. Like everyone on my dad's side of my family um, has like at least a, a phase where they're really into music. Like most of my cousins had that phase. Um, my dad was in like garage bands all through like high school and like the beginning of college. So like everyone in my family is somewhat musical, but like have, hasn't really like specifically like pursued it. And my mom was a wonderful singer and an amazing flautist. Um, she like wow. got into governor's school when she was in high school. Like it, it was amazing. So there's always a lot of music around when I was growing up and a lot of instruments in the house when I was growing up. And I loved singing and I loved music. And they started me in lessons. Um, well, the, my dad started teaching me when I was really young, um, but it was guitar and the strings hurt my fingers. So I didn't <laughs> like it. And I stopped for a little while. Um, and then when I was probably about nine, I was put in piano lessons and I loved that took that for years um, and then I switched to guitar and honestly probably since those piano lessons I've if I haven't been taking lessons I have been playing music regularly um, after those guitar lessons I had to stop for a few different reasons mm-hmm. um, but I kept playing on my own and learning on my own and teaching myself um, and then I uh, in the like my last year of high school the summer before my last year of high school I got involved with a um, performance-based music program and that's where I started like performing all of these things that I was practicing and that was a life-changing thing for me. I remember being in like the rehearsal room running over a song and uh, all of us kids had only been working on it for like a couple weeks so it didn't sound good but I finally got to this point where it was like starting to click like we were all actually playing in time and playing together and I remember standing in there and thinking to myself like yeah this is what I want to (laughs) do that's so amazing and it's interesting that they challenged you to go ahead and um, perform something that you had only learned over the course of like weeks not like months or it's not a situation where I think a lot of at least in academics they typically will give you like a quarter or like a semesterly performance or even an annual one in that sense. So it's interesting that they challenged you to be like, yeah, you're going to do this with a couple weeks experience. Yeah, it it was really awesome. It's um, the school of rock program. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, They do, they, they do like semesters somewhat, Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. you start playing together, like immediately, you don't have the performance like in front of everyone on stage until like three or four months later. But like you're given the song and the next week you're expected to at least be able to struggle through it. Um, which wow. like was really great for me to be thrown into like such a sink or swim environment. That's mm-hmm. always where I've thrived. <laughs> 
That's so cool because it actually, with you having a musical background at that point, having grown up playing like piano and guitar and stuff, that was probably something that actually felt like a good challenge to you, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, at that point, it felt like I had gotten so many of like the basics down by myself. It felt like the logical next step was the challenge of working with other people and getting that stage experience. But like I said, once it started, it just felt like the most natural thing in the world. I love that. Um, Are there any lessons that you remember you kind of learned back then that maybe inform how you are as like a bandmate or a performer today? Um, I think definitely the um, accountability of Mm -hmm. playing with other people and how being a good musician and being a good bandmate doesn't just boil down to talent. Uh, It has to do with who shows up, who does the work, who works hard, who, uh, who can you count on? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a lot, is something um, a lot of people, especially people who aren't in bands, uh, don't always realize. Mm-hmm. Um, that was definitely a huge lesson. And then just how to perform on stage, like through music. I had done theater like beforehand and never quite fit in um, to that group, but uh, I was able to take that and like channel it into music. And um, it definitely taught me so much about that. And then just like basic, like stage etiquette things, Um, like, you know, get off stage as soon as you can, when you're done, you can pack up off stage. Nobody (laughs) learns that. (laughs) No one learns. Oh, and putting your like cable through your strap, like little things that like, (laughs) and take people forever to learn because like nobody tells them um which is totally understandable but like in a program like that you have professional musicians like telling these kids telling these teenagers like hey if you want to be a professional musician like these are just some like basic etiquette things you'll have to learn eventually (laughs) thank god uh i feel like uh, maybe it's just like the byproduct of like independent music and stuff but there are so many bands out there who don't do those very basic things that it's so great you were exposed to (laughs) like that's that's so crucial if you think about it being able to know when like okay you're done on stage time to like move your gear skedaddle or like this is how you actually like hook your cable so you don't trip over it all the freaking time like that kind of stuff is like crucial you know yeah absolutely and I'm really lucky that um I had that experience and I met both of my bandmates through that program. Oh, even better. They were already trained too. <laughs> sound, sound people love us. <laughs> oh, I can imagine so. Cause they, you know exactly what to do. You don't have to, uh, they don't have to kind of tutor you up there. And it's, this is not dissing people who aren't experienced. Absolutely but, not. Yeah. No, know, I, it's just nice to be able to have like somebody who knows what they're doing up there and stuff. It makes the process that much easier. And people learn that stuff by doing, but still. Yeah. No, I, I count myself incredibly lucky to mm. have gotten a head start on mm. that. Like, I know that it's a total privilege that, like, not a lot of people, like, get to have. And I'm so, so thankful for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's so neat, though. Like, what a great experience. And then to have met your bandmates, it sounds like they're that same program too. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of which, tell me about how Hectang kind of came together. How did everybody kind of meet and how did this band kind of start to take shape? Yeah, so um, Philip, the, our guitarist and Cole, our drummer, um, they met 
before I met either of them. They both started early. Cole, wow, Cole must have been in that program since he was like 11. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's been drumming forever, um, which I think really shows he's incredible. (laughs) Um, But uh, they met earlier, and then I met – Philip was in that first show I did, Um, and then actually – almost every single all but one other show we Mm -hmm. were in together as well um but our my my last show our senior show we were doing um all the shows like focus on a specific artist or genre and uh us and a few other seniors somehow convinced the general manager to let us do a um neutral milk hotel tribute (laughs) 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 and i don't really know how that happened but i'm very glad it did Uh, (laughs) But that's where the three of us like first started playing music together, um, which which was absolutely incredible. We all got along super well. And um, one of the other people uh, in that group, um, I think a little bit after that, uh, eventually asked Philip and um, a couple other people who were in that group to be his live band for a project he was starting called Pink Pots. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually uh, that bassist only lasted for a couple of shows and then he asked me to play instead Um, and we played together for a while for about a year and um, the drummer that was in that project uh, had to switch because she was doing a lot of other school stuff and she was a little bit younger than the rest of us so we couldn't like play a lot of gigs because there are not a lot of all ages venues around us Um, so then so when she had to step away, uh, our friend uh, asked Cole to join. So the three of us were then uh, in that Pink Pots like live band. We never did any writing, mm-hmm. but we would play all of the shows. And we were, we did that for a couple years. Um, and at some point in the course of that, I, you know, realized that I really missed running a band and singing because I was only playing bass in Pink mm-hmm. Pots. Um, and for that whole time, I'd been writing songs as well. Um, so at one point in the course of that, I decided I wanted to try to start a project. Um, there's still like, I think our band camp still has the first like three song EP that I put out or maybe two songs. I think it's like an original and one or two covers. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I put that out and then Philip started playing uh, I asked Philip to start playing with me. We played a couple of acoustic shows. And then for the rest of the that almost year, a little less than a year, we had kind of a cycle of different members that we tried to fit in. Um, that's also when our first like official EP came out. Um, and then that summer, I guess it must have been summer 2017, 2018, uh, 2018. Um, Pink Pots was breaking up and um, I wasn't sure if Cole would want to continue to play music, but we played some out of town gigs together and it was awesome. And so um, Philip and I, uh, <laughs> we took Cole out for pizza and asked him, asked him to be our dinner. <laughs> um, it was very, That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And since then it's been the three of us, we've had a couple different, um, guitarists uh sometimes with tours sometimes in recordings um it's been hard to like 
get a fourth person involved for a myriad of different reasons. Uh, <laughs> but uh, since 2018, uh, it's been the three of us. That's so neat that you kind of had this established friendship and kind of like music chemistry from having played together in Pink Pots. And then it was just like, let me just get Colson pizza. And then here we go. We're, we're, we're an official three piece at that point. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. I'm so, I'm so happy with how it all worked out. Yeah, absolutely. Because you get to play music with two people who are both experienced and um, that you have really great friendships with too. Great relationships. Yeah. <laughs> That's so fantastic. Um, I'm kind of curious, who would you consider being some of the band's influences? I'm sure you all bring something in from each person. Yeah, it's it's really crazy. We've talked about that before, how we don't, there's a lot of bands that we all collectively really like. Mm -hmm. um which are also like also range wildly like it can go from like like a couple tours ago we all three of us got really into Jack Stauber and also uh like a Swedish experimental band called the Viagra Boys um so it's a huge range um but in terms of like influences we all have very very different personal influences um one of the the only two i've been able or all of us have been able to figure out that we really share are neutral milk hotel and uh queens of the stone age uh, <laughs> oh wow <laughs> two very different bands too <laughs> very very different bands but like i grew up listening to indie rock that was like who i was that was all i listened to um Sometimes I would get into alt rock, but that was about like, my chemical romance was about as heavy as I got. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, like the Antlers are like one of my favorite bands. It was all very much that vibe. Okay. Like the Antlers and Bright Eyes, that kind of thing. Um, and Philip, uh, Philip has his like indie side. Arcade Fire is one of his favorite bands mm -hmm. as, and it's one of mine, but um, he also grew up listening to a lot of like metal. <laughs> Mm. and like heavier music his other favorite band is death heaven yeah but uh, so he came at it from that perspective and cole loves like straight up hardcore punk mm. um and like he brings in a lot of like rap and hip-hop influences too um with a little bit of some of that metal that um that philip has so all of our individual tastes and influences, even even though we like each other's bands, like they're so varied. <laughs> That's fantastic though, because it really lets each of you kind of bring your personalities, your tastes, and like interests into your band. You end up having this really interesting sound. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I, I think the um the opening track on our last on our last EP, um, Fear of Moving On Part One, is probably the best example mm -hmm. I can think of that we've made so far of like how our varying tastes work together because it starts off with that like you know shoegazy kind of guitar and very lyrically driven like you'd expect from like an indie rock song and ends with blast beats <laughs> yeah it's fantastic honestly and yeah, that's literally probably the defining song when it comes to like bridging together each of your very 
awesome and unique <laughs> taste, you know? That's so cool to me. Um, you know, I have to ask you about another kind of type of influence here because I remembered on um, on a, in prior things, in your previous EP to that, uh, you have an awesome classic Adam Scott sample from Parks and Rec. And I'm just curious, do you ever find yourself like, ever inspired or motivated by like pop culture or fandom and I say fandom because Parks and Rec you generally either are like a hardcore fan or it's just not your thing there's not I don't I've never met somebody in the middle with Parks and Rec (laughs) (laughs) yeah no definitely I um yeah pop culture is definitely a huge influence um at least on like my my writing um you know, even if it's not like, uh, oh, this like movie inspired these specific lyrics, but like, I'll think of movies, um, you know, when I'm trying to set up tone mm. um, or, 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 or something else. Um, actually, there's a song that I'm working on right now for the, uh, for the LP that we're um, working on uh, <laughs> right now. Uh, and I was trying to figure out the tone for the lyrics and like, um, other examples of, um, of, of, of the angle I was trying to get to. And um, actually, someone I was talking to about the song pointed out uh, it was very similar to uh, like the closing scene from Lady Bird. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Wow, like that, that was a similar vibe. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's absolutely it. And so now at some point this week, I have to rewatch Lady Bird so I can like <laughs> get that imagery in my head so I can like write it properly. <laughs> I love that. Honestly, it's like, it's so interesting to me because like, you know, when we talk about influence and stuff, often we're thinking in the lines of like bands and like solo artists and just other musicians right but it's I love it whenever I can find an artist who can dig in and tell me it's like oh yeah this movie or this show did this thing that where I wrote a song where it matched something I was trying to accomplish musically and that's freaking cool and Lady Bird's a really good movie so what what a great mood to be like exploring possibly in this next record yeah I'm just one song I am such a sucker for like coming of age trope so like (laughs) it makes total sense that I would be like oh yeah that that fits (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean I mean I'm a sucker for coming of age slash like whether it's a drama or a comedy like teen movies Mm -hmm. I that's (laughs) for some reason I can't quit them I'm I'm like you know gonna be 28 years old and I'm still Still eating up on these teen movies. Not the newer ones, really. I'm really picky about those. But, like, 90s ones, to early 2000s, yep. that's my shit. Yep. <laughs> my, my old roommate and I, um, we've been friends, like, for, for ages. She had an old VHS TV, and I can't count, like, the number of times we would, get, like, her VHS copy of Clueless and, like, yep. watch that together just over and over <laughs> That's fantastic. That that one's just always so much fun to watch, honestly, between like oh my God. <laughs> the quotable aspects of Clueless alone, not to mention, I mean, it's it's baby Paul Rudd. We really can't yeah. go wrong here. Yeah. And based off Jane Austen. So like it just keeps getting better. <laughs> you didn't think it could and it did. Also, like I love that the 90s was a time 
where we took classic literature and applied the teen movie trope to it. Like, that was a thing. (laughs) They're so applicable to each other, like, honestly. (laughs) But yeah, it's awesome. It is. I mean, I just rewatched She is the Man last week, and that was the best choice I could have possibly made for my brain. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, that sounds perfect. (laughs) I'm gonna just keep rattling off teen movies so that way we can get some more teen movie tones into the next record. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, absolutely. That would be hysterical. I'm gonna be looking for those kind of Easter eggs when we eventually get to talk about that. I'll uh, I'll queue up 10 things I hate about you right after this interview. (laughs) And the levels of meta that that would be going into are just fantastic. (laughs) Between, obviously, teen movie content that would definitely be that level of inspiring, but also the podcast name, too. That's perfect. (laughs) I I have to. I have to. (laughs) I know exactly what you mean. Um... (laughs) So um, we talked a little bit, of course, here about some of your previous songwriting, but, you know, uh, at the time that we're talking, you you freshly released Fine Just Thinking. Mm -hmm. I know we've talked about it previously, but um, let's kind of dig into like the songwriting process for this EP. Can you tell me about how um, you all approached it and the kind of things you're considering? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We really approached this as... um, as a platform for the upcoming LP. Um, we wanted to show a little bit more how our writing has evolved because um, Never Left Home was a lot of older songs, um, older ideas. Um, only one of those songs, uh, Mushrooms was the only song on there that all three of us actually wrote together. Um, so we wanted to have something um, that was very much a creation of the three of us leading into an LP. Um, so that was the biggest aspect. We, we wanted to make sure that they were all songs that we were like fully writing together um, and also kind of figuring out how we wanted to write songs together. Um, so um, I think all three of them started at least musically with um, a guitar part that Philip had written and brought to us um, that we started working with and um, evolved from there. Um, Fear of Moving On parts one and two, the guitar parts stayed pretty much the same and we just layered into it. Um, November started out as a really slow shoegaze like arpeggio song and it, it was good but it wasn't quite right. Um, it wasn't quite the angle and, uh, like at one point we were going over it and I was like, cool, what if you like did a dance beat to it instead? (laughs) And then it turned into what it is now. Um, this like weird, like new wave ish kind of song. Um, yeah, so we would start with that. We would work on it together. And then I have, um, I always have like two running songwriting journals, like constantly, of different songs in um, different states of doneness. So often I will like take that guitar part or take that full band recording um, and then try to match up that mood to some lyrics I've already started working on. Um, And then um, 
you know, match them up, finish up the song from there um, with that uh, with that full band um, style in mind. I love that. Tell me a little bit more about your song journals. How often do you find yourself kind of like turning to them and like jotting down thoughts? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> I have um, for like jotting down thoughts. I usually use my like phone like notes app. Mm-hmm. But then I'll copy that down into one of those journals. Um, I just have, for some reason, just like the, the like tactile sensation of like physically writing down in a book um, always feels better and always helps like the creative side to me. Um, I've tried just typing lyrics and it's good when I have to like get into like the nitty gritty of like this rhyme scheme needs to work. Um, this metaphor doesn't, how do I change it? But like, just through like the, just the like evolution of writing something down. Um, I just like the journals better. Um, but I try to spend as much time with them as I can, honestly, going over them, reading back, figuring out, uh, what things I've written down, I should like keep working on what like, isn't that great? And I can probably just like ignore (laughs) going forward. But like, have them with me most of the time I love looking through them whenever I have time to they are like how I write songs I love that I've noticed that like I know for me maybe it's similar for you but when I put something in a journal rather than a note on my phone there's something about it that feels a little bit more permanent like I'm more committed to what I just wrote physically versus something I put in my phone, I'm going to forget about it. It'll probably sit there for like two years and nothing's going to happen with it. But something about having that tactile experience, it kind of gets you to commit more to whatever it is you did. Plus like, I'm one of those people that's like, um, I have to be very careful with what I put in my journals because I always pick pretty journals and I end up like overly, I'm just like, I don't want to ruin the journal because it's not like you can rip (laughs) out the pages and stuff like that. It's so geeky. But like, there's something I, about writing in the journal that makes you like commit to whatever it is. Like this is going to be written the right way. Or it's like, I'm going to use this at some point more. So <laughs> I should say. I, um, I started, I started doing it um, when I actually, when I was in high school, like later oh, high really? school, because I saw um, one of my friends had that as like a writing drawing journal. And I was like, this is amazing. This seems great. I want to do that. And I don't know. I usually just get plain black journals, um, usually uh, actually sketch journals so that they Mm -hmm. are unlined. There's just like blank space everywhere. And then I will go in and I will write everywhere. I will draw everywhere. I will X things out. I think all of my journals have places where I've just torn out pages or cut. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) They are like, they are there as like, a creative tool and whatever I have to do to them to like get where I need to go. That's fine. (laughs) That's so good though. That's so functional. You're not like neurotic like me where I'm like, (laughs) I'm committing to what I put onto paper here. So (laughs) I mean, it's still definitely neurotic. Like anyone, (laughs) anyone looking through it would be like, I can't understand any of this mess. (laughs) What's happening here. Are you okay? (laughs) It's just a, it's a different brand of neuroses. It's true. There's so many types at this point that like, yeah, <laughs> my, 
It's so, it's so interesting to me. That's why I like the concept of journaling. And it's one of those things where I'm trying to break through my own like psychological barrier, if you will, that like, it's, yeah. it does not have to be perfect. It is a journal. That is the purpose is <laughs> for you to kind of like iterate and tweak and make changes and stuff. And I love that your music kind of goes through that journey on paper before it reaches like your bandmates at that point or before you're like, yeah, this is going to actually turn into like a real song. Yeah. I'm, I'm so thankful for my bandmates, obviously for many reasons, but they really, they'll sometimes like give me lyrics that they've started working on, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and, and that'll be my jumping off point, but largely they just, they let me do whatever I want with those lyrics and like trust that it'll be good and that it'll sound good. Um, but they're both just kind of like, yeah, whatever, whatever you want to do. That's so sweet. Do do their words, do their lyrics that they suggest make it into the journal for you to kind of spin and play with in that space? Yeah. That's the only way that I, or not the only way, but that's my favorite way Mm -hmm. to work on lyrics. So even if there's someone else's, I'll go ahead and copy it down. If I know I'm going to be working on them, Mm -hmm. um, if, if, you know, someone gave me lyrics and I was like, these are perfect, these are exactly what I want to do, and I'm just going to run with it, then I wouldn't copy it down. But I know if I'm going to make any edits, it's going to feel best if I'm making those, like, very physical edits. I like that. I, I really do, because it probably helps you in a way kind of, like, visualize some aspects of your songwriting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm a, I'm a, very, I'm a very visual person, so having all of it, I think that's why I don't like like writing it in a word document as much because mm-hmm. I like having everything laid out in front of me to like pull from or edit or whatever. That That's so fantastic. And I love that approach so much. I feel like it's really lended to some really great parts of your music and um, the way that you've kind of continued to shape the idea of like, flowing your music because I kind of realized when I was um when I was listening back on like never left home again and stuff it's like you kind of do have a little bit of that flow going on with like uh St. Anthony and Presbyterian and then here you are now with moving on parts one and two songs that build (laughs) into each other and stuff that's such a great thing that um you and your bandmates have kind of established as something you love um You previously mentioned to me in our other interview about like um, how y'all love like Prince Daddy and the Hyena and like the way that like different bands music can kind of like flow into each other and stuff. Can you talk more about that and why you love it so much? Yeah, yeah. Um, We actually, uh, I was talking to my bandmates about that the other day and um, Philip pointed out a great example that I totally forgotten about, but um, the the, uh, transition from uh if this tour doesn't kill you into i think dvp i'm terrible with titles but those first two uh tracks on the second puff album mm-hmm. like that is like one of my like pinnacles of like seamless transitions um yeah i'm not sure why we all gravitate towards that so much um all of us it, for all of us it's just something that sounds it sounds so clean. It's so pleasing to have that kind of transition. It, it makes songs on an album feel like 
a whole piece of music rather than like, um, you know, a bunch of different things, you know, cut together, which, you know, still makes amazing albums, mm-hmm. obviously, but I don't know, there's something about, there's something just about that smooth transition and, and thinking about your songs and matching the mood so well, because, mm-hmm. yeah, like, um, you know, like with St. Anthony into Presbyterian, like, that's not the same kind of transition where it's like the song, you know, mm-hmm. the instruments transition into each other. Um, it's just like an, it's an audio clip. Um, right. Uh, it's a field, field recording, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the tones still match. They're both songs about grief and loss. Mm-hmm. And I know I wanted to put them back to back because they, they matched so well in like their song concepts and like that kind of like uh, I mean that kind of pain Mm -hmm. um and I wanted them to be able to connect somehow yeah it's interesting how you continue to explore whenever it's instances of either literal sound or thematically and stuff because with moving on parts one and two, that was definitely more centered on thematically following in that mm-hmm. sense. The whole, um, you know, caring for someone who doesn't want to be cared for and stuff. Can you talk about that and um, kind of that journey of how you kind of conveyed these two very similar but different circumstances in music? Yeah, um, that's a tough question. <laughs> I'm sometimes I'm not I'm not really sure like sometimes I'm just kind of going off instinct Mm -hmm. like I know I know these things feel the same Mm -hmm. thematically so I know that they will match I guess in a lot of ways um Part of um, part of it actually came from uh, for the second part um, came from some not lyrics that Philip had written, but some ideas. Um, you know, he'd started with that guitar part, and he kind of said, "You know, this is where I would like this song to go lyrically," which he doesn't do often. So, like, I knew it was really important for him, mm-hmm. um, and so I wanted to make sure to still get his idea in the song, his idea of what the, those lyrics should be while still making it, um, while still having it tie in thematically. Uh, I see. So you had more so like your bandmates input in that way for this mm-hmm. time. Yeah. For, for those two songs. Absolutely. That's so cool because you were able to kind of take experiences that you had and um, it's really interesting because like in your music, then you're kind of able to kind of connect with each other as well as your listeners when it comes to exploring these themes of like yeah. going through caring for somebody who doesn't want to be cared for and stuff. That's just one of the things that I didn't know. I love it. This is why I like talking about songs <laughs> again and again, because it's like there's always something new I can learn about them. And uh, yeah, that's that's so kind of rich to think about because that's kind of you opening up to each other as well as to like us as listeners. And that's so cool. Yeah. I mean, we have, you know, 
been friends for a really, really long time. So honestly, there has been, there have been some really, really tough things that we've all gone through together. So, I mean, a lot of the songs like that, um, you know, especially Fear of Moving On Part Two and, and St. Anthony, they're both about some really, really hard things that all three of us had to go through. And all three of us went through and all three of us had that really tough grief experience mm -hmm. um, about. So, you know, there's no way, at least to me, there's no way to write it without it being very, very much a product of all three of us. You know, even if I'm writing a lot of the like actual words, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's still something that all three of us are saying. That's fantastic that you're able to kind of be each other's kind of voices in different ways, whether it's you kind of doing that for the lyrics or uh, Cole and Philip kind of doing that with like their sonic walls and stuff. You and I have talked about how, uh, you know, you have this kind of like heavy, like deaf heaven, like sonic wall that represents like your emotional buildup and shit, which I think is like one of the most genius things I've heard. Um, <laughs> how, do, how does it feel to kind of like maybe trust each other to kind of uh, convey those kind of emotions and stuff? Because that's kind of, I feel like something that's very crucial that it sounds like your band has kind of mastered here. I mean, it's definitely scary. It's scary any time that you're vulnerable with someone else. But I think... I think for all three of us, it's really, it's really natural in a lot of ways. I mean, even just like what we've, you know, the emotional range we've seen from each other, you know, being on tour, like we have all experienced each other's full range of emotions. There's not much that we can like hide <laughs> from each other. So like, there's no reason to mm -hmm. like and we might as well be open and vulnerable with each other because it's going to make us feel better it's going to create better songs mm -hmm. um it's going to feel better yeah because at the end of the day it's like of course you have that foundation of a really great friendship there for you to be able to communicate these things even on just like a personal level but like I think that's probably part of what makes your songwriting so rich is because you trust each other to be that vulnerable and it comes out in your music. That's just something that I feel like I've observed listening to your EPs back to back. And I'm like, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot going on here and stuff where you like, you know, I think that's probably boils down to that trust and that vulnerability. And uh, you do that with each other. And then like, to me, at least it feels like you, have that trust with like your listeners too to be able to share these really intimate experiences and stuff like with November 9 5 a.m and stuff it's like that one is really vulnerable in a sense because I mean you're talking about things like the mental illness while maintaining relationships and stuff and um it's interesting because again it's like you're that vulnerable with us as, as listeners but also um yeah, it's just the way that it explores musically is just so rich. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I, I don't know a, 
I, I don't really know another way to write, honestly, um, which I feel like is kind of like a letdown like statement, like <laughs> not like, you know, like honing my craft to be able to do this. It's just, it's just what comes naturally. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with how much all three of us love live performance, oh, okay. um, which has been really hard this year. <laughs> it's been a really hard <laughs> thing to deal with. But, uh, you know, we all love live performances. And um, I mean, I first discovered that when I was, you know, a student in that performance program. And mm -hmm. um, I had a, in all honesty, I had a, a really, really hard time in high school. I had a really, really tough high school experience. Mm -hmm. um, and getting up on stage was the first time that I felt really free in a lot of ways and where I felt like I was able to express all of the pain and all of the heartbreak that I was going through. Um, so that's, that's always, that's always remained. Mm -hmm. I, I, performing, being on stage is weirdly the safe space for me to be honest and vulnerable and express, you know, some of those harder things. Well, those of us who get to watch you play are very fortunate to get to experience that because that you. is, that's really a gift for anybody who gets to experience that kind of art ultimately, because it's, for a lot of people, it's extremely hard to be that vulnerable and um, expose themselves in that kind of space and stuff. And the way that you embrace that is just so incredible to me. So keep doing what you're doing. That's so cool. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I mean, um, it's interesting because I, I, I heard you mention earlier about how like much live performance um, kind of shapes you all and stuff. But it sounds like if anything, um, in our previous conversation too, uh, the studio experience kind of gave you an opportunity to do that too. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about um, what it was like for you to actually record this EP and like um, how that might actually influence your LP recording too? Yeah, absolutely. It was, I'm so glad we had that studio experience before trying to dive into an LP studio experience. That was another motivation for getting this, <laughs> <laughs> getting this one out first. Um, yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things that we took away from it was uh, realizing how much all of us really needed um, to start with a scratch track mm. of all three of us. Um, like, I don't think any of the tapes from that scratch track actually got onto the recording, but we started with all three of us playing through all three of the songs and we used that, I think maybe the drums are still the same, but we used those tapes. Mm -hmm. um, to record everything else because we just, we play together, we feed off of each other's energy. Um, there wasn't another way to get that chemistry or that confidence from each mm -hmm. of us. Um, for, uh, for myself, for recording vocals, um, I did kind of, um, I kind of egged myself into like um, getting really emotional before performing um, ah. or before recording. 
Um, and that was from uh, the experience of self-recording Never Left Home. When we were recording Never Left Home, we did most of the instrument takes uh, at Cole's mom's house. <laughs> um, and then some, a few of the other takes and all of the vocals um, we did at, um, actually at the um, performance school we all went to because at that point I was working there, um, still working there. And I think Cole had started working there as well. Mm -hmm. um, but we were able to use that space after hours and I was doing vocal takes for everything. And when we got to St. Anthony, um, we did one vocal take and it was fine. It was okay. We were trying to do three mm -hmm. for each. Um, and we went to the second vocal take and something happened, something shifted in me and I was feeling um, all of the emotions that I had felt um, uh, when everything had happened that the, the song was based off of. Um, and I uh, had to work very hard to not like just start fully crying during mm -hmm. that take. I'm not sure what shifted. I'm not sure how I was able <laughs> to get to that, like that almost, almost triggered area. <laughs> um, but I was able to channel it into the song and when we finished that take, I, I broke down. I like, I had to take a second before continuing. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't do another take of the song. That second take is what is on the EP. Mm -hmm. um, but so when we went into the studio, I was like, okay, I can't go that far. That was a little too far. But I know that pushing myself to a little bit more of an emotional space, thinking about what all these songs are about, thinking about what they all mean to me, mm -hmm. um, you know, and trying to get to that vulnerable spot. Um, you know, so we did that and um, we actually recorded them initially in reverse order. Mm -hmm. um, then, then it's, then the track list. And when we got to fear of moving on part one, and I did like that scream at the end of it, um, our uh, producer, Daniel Hodges was like, let's go back and, and re-record from some of those, earlier songs because I think basically like I think you've gotten to that like emotional point your voice is a little rougher I think it's gonna sound better <laughs> if we did those again <laughs> ah so Daniel like totally identified like okay okay you're there yep. now let's go do the rest <laughs> yep he understood exactly what was happening I, I can't say enough good things about him it was an amazing experience I'm so glad to hear that because I feel like that gets you so much more hype to go work on your LP now Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely want to get back in a studio and do all of that. I love it. Um, kind of just back to find just thinking for a moment here. What's something you really want your listeners to get out of listening to this EP? I really want, I would really want listeners to just get a, catharsis a like shared experience a feeling of like not being alone in whatever they're feeling um honestly that's one of the reasons why sometimes um I mean I love talking about my songs and I love talking about what they're about <laughs> um but I I don't always go into like full full detail because um 
I would never want someone to think like, oh, that's what the song's about. And since mm-hmm. I haven't had that experience, I can't relate to it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. My, my goal with music is always, I just, I just want to write things that make people feel like they aren't alone mm-hmm. in whatever they're feeling. Because when I was growing up, when I was in high school, when I was, whenever I've gone through really, really tough things, I've always turned to music and it has always been one of the first things to make me feel not alone. I'm sure like a lot of people who are into music or into bands, like I didn't have like a huge number of friends growing up. I felt pretty isolated most of the time when I was growing up, but I was always able to turn to music and I always felt understood. I always felt heard and seen. Um, and you know, with this EP and, and everything that I have or will make, that is always the biggest thing I would want anyone to take away from it. I love that. That's so important. I love that this is kind of something that you're just always actively working toward. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's like paying it forward to me. <laughs> like I've taken so much from the art form. I just want to, to give that back into it. I love it. Um, this is, this is amazing. And, you know, it sounds like in spite of everything, you're having a pretty busy year. <laughs> Cause you're writing, <laughs> cause I mean, you're writing, you're writing the LP. How's that going right now? Um, it's going pretty well. We have, we're trying to get like 15 songs, like somewhat done so we can like narrow them down make sure they all fit together. All of that, like proper album construction stuff. Yeah. Um, and we are, I think a little over halfway there. Nice. Um, right now with some like really cool, exciting stuff. I think it's all like a really cool, uh, kind of like extension of stuff we've already been working on. Um, so yeah, we're, we're doing that. We're actually going to be talking, I think later today about like figuring out a solid date when we can like start demoing and doing like some pre-production stuff and, you know, hopefully look at, I think we're all wanting to look at trying to record um, at like the start of next year. Like that actually would be amazing. Record. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope you get to, I hope that this pandemic chills out enough to where it's safe yeah. for you to be able to do that because I'm already hyped as heck for more hectic. That's for sure. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, Do you have any goals as a band that you maybe have been thinking about in this time of like things that the three of you really want to be able to do at some point? Oh my God. I mean, we have like, we have like big, big goals. Like we were joking the other day about like, oh wow, this would be such a cool thing to do on stage if we like ever like played like a bigger festival or something. Like I know all three of us, um, I guess not as like lofty or whatever, but all three of us would like love to play the fest whenever you know it comes back is able to come back right Um, but yeah I mean I think at this point 
you know, at this point we are, you know, we're on a label that we absolutely adore. Breeze Co. has been incredible. We love them so much. Um, at this point, we're really focused on just trying to grow our platform, grow our audience, get more people listening to us and, you know, engaged and interested in what we have um, to share. I think that's like the biggest short-term goals. And then again, of course, there are like big lofty, like long-term goals. <laughs> like, oh, I hope like in a few years we can like play like the cat's cradle or, <laughs> or something, <laughs> um, which is like a, a North Carolina, like mid-size venue um, right. that like most of my like favorite bands <laughs> have played. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I think right now, at least in like the shorter term, it's just like trying to grow our audience, trying to get more people engaged, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, I think I have a feeling that by the time we're done with uh, pandemic times and, you know, your L your EP is like spreading, you know, <laughs> you could be ready for that mid-sized venue by the time that things are back <laughs> normal, for all oh, we know. God, I would love that. <laughs> so, so more of like your mental vision board here and stuff, I always like to ask my guests toward the end of the interview if you could play a show with any three bands or artists, they can be currently active or you can bring them back from the dead. Oh my God. Who would you choose? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> the first, the first like active band that I can think of is I, I would like lose my mind if we could like ever play a show with pup. Like, that that would be absolutely amazing for all three of us all th we actually um the last tour that we did we had we scheduled an off day on our tour to see pup in columbus because <laughs> we were gonna miss them in like the southeast we were like we've got to go oh my god it'll be so fun to see them in the middle of tour um <laughs> so that would be Oh my God, that's my, that's my top manifestation. Um, so many nights of pup. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> um, the, um, God, oh, this is so hard. There's so many bands. Personally, I know for just me, well, not just me, um, the rest of the band too, and especially Philip too. Um, I would love to be able to play with boxing at some oh, point. Oh, yes. I love boxing so much <laughs> such a great are, band <laughs> they're one of they're one of my top bands and uh oh yeah i have a um i have like a uh copy of dealer that's like signed by like all the original members because yeah philip saw them like play at the college he went to like, <laughs> i love it i know i'm nerding out about it they've got a song it's my name it's Ah, I love them. <laughs> uh, and um, God, oh, there's so many. There's so many other bands like that. <laughs> that's secretly one of my like, um, <laughs> like musician goals. Like, oh, if I can get, you know, if I can get, you know, well known enough, I get to play with all of these bands <laughs> that I love. Um, God, if we were ever, if we could even like 
play a festival that Arcade Fire played. Ooh, yeah. I would, like, no way could do, I, not no way, but, like, I'm not even saying, like, touring with or something, but, like, on the same bill where we, we might, like, cross paths at some point. <laughs> they're just such an influential band, but, like, oh, my God, there's so many more. You never know. The reason why I always ask this question is because I've had so many times where people who've come on the podcast will say, they'll list off their bands, right? And if they're currently active, it ends up happening like a year or two later, they end up playing these six shows. So we are using my witchy powers to send a vibe into the universe, the biggest vibe possible that one of these ends up happening at some point for you. Oh Because uh, <laughs> miracles happen. I'm going to so. keep all my fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> it's entirely possible at this point. So yeah, I'm sending all the vibes that whenever it's safe to enjoy live music again, y'all get to play with some really sick bands and maybe one of these works out, you know? <laughs> Thank you. That's incredible. <laughs> of course. I mean, in the meantime, it seems like you're going to be pretty active here with the live stream game. Where where can everybody keep up with y'all for that? That's coming. You got some stuff coming up. Yes, nothing is like formally announced yet, mm -hmm. um, but we are going to be doing something um, really cool with the alternative uh, in September, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, absolutely love uh, the alternative and everything that y'all do. <laughs> you were like uh, one of my like top goals for this EP release was like, I want to get in the alternative. They're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then um, we're planning something really cool around Halloween because uh, one of our favorite things has always been um, playing Halloween shows, getting to do like cover sets and dress up. You know, we all met with, uh, <laughs> we, we all met uh, learning covers of different artists. So it always feels like a nice, like getting back to our roots kind of thing. Um, and, you know, it's going to be hard to do that. There's no way that venues are going to be open up, you know, by Halloween. So we're trying to figure out something really special to do. Um, and we've got a lot of, we've got some cool bands already on board. We'll hopefully be announcing that pretty soon. We're also going to be working on some specifics for that um, later tonight, I think, too. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, this is going to be great. And I'm glad I now have plans for Halloween besides like binging decoms again and again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. It's going to be some like, going to be some hardcore plans that'll need to be made. Hell yes. This is exciting. I literally now have like the mind made up of I will flip between like Halloween town and like watching <laughs> this live stream because I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Get a computer and a TV. Have two streams. We're good. <laughs> this is going to be my life, and I'm so excited for it. Thank you. Sincerely. Yes. This is going to be great. Absolutely. <laughs> Anytime I can make someone's Halloween better, <laughs> that's a job well done. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, Magda, this has been so much fun. Where can everybody keep up with Hectang on the internet? Um, we are on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook uh, if you want to get your parents involved in anything. <laughs> um, 
on um we're pretty popular with parents just saying um, <laughs> you're cool but, with parents i like it <laughs> yeah i think it's the enough of the like uh, enough like 80s alternative influence <laughs> at least that's what my dad tells me <laughs> that's that's it that's the secret to parents right there yeah yeah (laughs) if your parents were old punks or goths they'll probably like what we do um uh on twitter we're um at heck underscore dang um and on instagram uh we are also at heck underscore dang those are the biggest ones especially twitter that's kept more updated you know because it's easier easier to shit post on twitter <laughs> that's a fact <laughs> <laughs> definitely guilty <laughs> i am definitely guilty but how, it's you, not good. how you keep up engagement like at this point you have to do it it's it's the law <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh my gosh thank you so much magda everybody please yeah. be sure to stream fine just thinking it's an awesome ep and you're going to want to keep up with heck dang thank you
You just heard Hecting. Thank you so much to Magda for taking the time to chat with me again. It feels like it's so easy to chat with her about all things music, and I can't wait until we end up reuniting again to talk about this band's LP that they're all working so hard on. Be sure to follow Hecting on social media and stream Find Just Thinking. What an incredible EP. I love it. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with Anger Girl music of the Indie Rock Persuasion online. Find episodes, links, articles, and more at angrygirlmusic.com. Get in touch with me through email at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com or on Twitter and Instagram at at angrygirlmusic. If you're interested in being a guest on the pod, reach out and let's chat about what you're working on. Pledge your support for Angry Girl Music at the Indie Rock Persuasion on Patreon at patreon.com slash angrygirlmusic. Special thanks to our monthly patrons Molly O'Malley, Kendra Manlilla, Carly Commando, John Kitsy Kitzmiller, Sam Zarwitz, and Orla Tinsey. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay angry and stay in touch. Bye for now.